Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bad son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Jingwell, the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwell, the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. <laughs> I could tell. You were really just thinking about all of the implications of having a Star Trek podcast when you said that. I really wasn't. What happened was that I started talking without having a breath in my lungs first. <laughs> you ever do that? Like, I, I run into this all the time when we're recording ads. It's like I write up out all my copy and I try to make it sound like it's loose and conversational. That's why but your then, ads are so much better than mine, because you actually think about them ahead of time. <laughs> but like, you can really box yourself in vocally by breathing at the wrong point yeah absolutely and, and so your your pauses end up being in the wrong spot <laughs> <laughs> it's messed up you would think that after 400 some odd episodes of this show and 100 some odd episodes of greatest discovery etc cetera, etc cetera, amid yeah. all of the other podcasts that we've recorded over the years we would uh, we would be better at this I but know. we're not we're not getting any better I'm not going to put it that way. I'm just going to put it like this. We're learning all the time. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's me uh, (laughs) injecting positivity into this thing. That's your your role on the show. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Some big stuff this week, Adam. This episode is coming out August 22nd. Just days from the beginning of Star Trek Las Vegas, and also days from the expected due date of my child. Wow. So we both have something to be excited about here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really really fucked this up when I was uh, attempting to conceive. I didn't look at the calendar Uh and work out when STLV was going to be relative to the conception date. I I blew it. (laughs) I'm going to miss you, man. I am so excited to get out there this year and devastated to leave you behind. I think going to STLV with you has been a really fun yearly thing that I look forward to because I don't want you to take this the wrong way. It is weird being in Vegas with you because, (laughs) because I see it through someone's eyes who is not an enthusiast. And I think that helps. Like you get used to a relationship to a place like this and Many years I don't see it for what it is, but you really do. And it's <laughs> and I think it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> it doesn't keep you out of all of the trouble. No. No. Not at uh, all. But uh, like we're a good yin and yang for Vegas. And sure. it's gonna be weird to be there without you because I'm just gonna be all all yin. Yeah, yeah. You're you're Riker with Minuet in the holodeck and I'm Picard coming in like <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I see some of the charms of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah a... I have a question for you. Is uh-huh. It's not at the Rio this year, right? They're, they moved hotels? They moved it to the Bally's. And I'll say at this moment in time, I haven't booked where I'm staying yet. Yeah. But I will say this, I'm not going to stay at the Bally's. <laughs> the Bally's, by the time Star Trek Las Vegas happens, might not even be Bally's anymore. It was bought in by the Binion's. Casino Corporation. Binions. Binions about Bally's? 
Yeah, Binion's is notable for being previously a uh, a downtown Las Vegas casino where they used to have the World Series of Poker for like decades oh. and decades. It was famous for it. And now Binion's is coming back to the strip and taking over Bally's. Bally's is kind of a weird hotel to me. And I don't know if we've spent much time there, you and me, at, at Star Trek Las Vegas' past. I don't think I've ever been to it. I used to uh, get jobs from this really funny like Irish mafia, New Jersey mm-hmm. guy who would occasionally land us like a video gig in Las Vegas and we would like drive up and down the strip and he'd be like, the Mirage is a dump. The Bally's, it's a dump. Now, the Venetian, that's a class joint. And like every hotel on the strip ca- fell fell into the dump category or the class joint category. <laughs> and he was very stridently opinionated about this. And like, you know, mostly it's predictable. Circus Circus, obviously a dump. Sure. Like, he is, like, such a creature of, like, movie Vegas, you know? He is, like, yeah. I'd say Irish gangster, Irish mafia, like, as a as a joke about the kind of, like, cultural signifiers of his personality. Sure. But those cultural signifiers are heavily catered to by Las Vegas in a way that uh, my cultural signifiers are not. <laughs> so It's really a place that leans in. Like yeah, that. yeah. It was, it was fun to see the place through through eyes like that also. Right, right. I think it's unusual that the convention's being held there. And I looked it up and I read the Wikipedia article and it was like, Oh, yeah. One of the worst fires in American history happened in <laughs> Bally's because Man. they didn't have uh, fire suppression systems in every room the way they do now. It's weird to think about a time in this country where you could stay in a high-rise hotel yeah. where there was not a fire extinguisher, you know, in your ceiling and and yeah, several yeah. of them it's, it's man like i feel like every old hotel is like mm-hmm. every like director in hollywood where you scroll down their wikipedia page to the controversies and it's like Ugh. every one of them has a story like that probably yeah, huh yeah. i mean obviously the place was fixed and codes were changed so now i mean staying in a vegas hotel is uh dangerous for the fire that occurs to your bank account <laughs> primarily <laughs> But in a metaphorical sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going to stay. But I know we have a, a... And by we, I mean me, I guess. I need to set up a cabana party yeah. down there somewhere. And I guess it's got to be at Bally's. <laughs> the Bally's cabana. Got to yeah. do it. Got to do it, man. We got to keep the friends of DeSoto well drunk. Yeah. For an yeah. afternoon, as is our way. I hope you pour an entire hoof drink out or w- whatever the equivalent is at the Bally's uh, for me. Gotta do be, it, man. I'll be, uh, I'll be missing you. We and, will all uh, salute you with our Miriam hooves, man. Yeah. You, will, you will be missed big time. And if, uh, if the baby's not there by the time you do the, the big hang, uh, FaceTime me in or something, you know? Hell yeah. Absolutely will. I think we'll open up the beer cooler on the yeah. underside of the lid. <laughs> we'll gaff tape in an iPad and it'll be like you're right there. People will be like, from your view, reaching at your junk and pulling out aluminum cans of beer. Yeah. I'll be going through the checklist, making sure that our go bag has all the th- all the things in it that it needs. Yeah, man. Anything could happen this week. Big, exciting week. Well, uh, we had a big, exciting episode of Star Trek colon Voyager that we watched today. Do you want to get into it, Adam? Oh, I'm on my way there, Ben. Already. Like, it's mid-season four of Star Trek Voyager. 
I can't believe we're already in the middle of season four. I don't get it. It feels like it's really moving fast. Yeah. This series is going to be over before we know it. But for right now, <laughs> let's take a moment for Star Trek Voyager Season 4, Episode 13. Waking moments. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. Been an episode title that comes with an apostrophe on the Paramount Plus app in a way Ooh. that broke my proofreader's heart. <laughs> I could not deal with this apostrophe. What is going on over there at the Paramount Plus app? How is that possible? Because I have the... Are you par- seeing this? I have Paramount uh, as like an add-on to my Apple TV app. Uh-huh. It was also there. I, it doesn't have it on mine. Really? Yeah. That's I could a, swear I saw it I saw it on Apple TV yesterday and when I saw it today it, it had the apostrophe, but dang. not a good look. Yeah. Very embarrassing. Unless they mean it with an apostrophe. Yeah. Waking moments blank. Possessive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I one time after I graduated from college interviewed for and did not get a job writing capsules and episode information for television shows Mm -hmm. it was like a company that was like we see the future the future is streaming and Mm -hmm. little episode descriptions for every episode of every show ever made Mm -hmm. are going to be needed and they were prepared to pay me like four hundred dollars a week to like literally like watch tv and write episode descriptions yeah I didn't get the job, (laughs) but I mean, like, I kind of think that that's like probably who is doing most of this work is like fresh out of school or like new to the job market types of folks that are, Mm -hmm. you know, not making a ton of money, not getting a ton of oversight in what they're doing. So I get it. Yeah. It's hard for me because I am especially sensitive to the copywriting aspects of all things. Yeah. That Absolutely. is a previous life that I have not been able to get out of my blood. Like, <laughs> I'm almost entirely an ex-filmmaker at this point, but I will always be a writer in that way. <laughs> well, this episode starts with a bunch of different little vignettes, and we kind of cut around to them. Uh, the first is Kim getting pulled into a tube with Seven on his walk home. He was, he was just trying to get home from work. I love this arm-swinging Ensign Kim through the corridor. Like, yeah. when you're on your way to work, you don't swing your arms. I think we no. know that. No, you've got, you've got a coffee in one hand, a folded-up newspaper in the other hand, smoking yeah. a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok wakes up. He's got to get to the bridge. It's like, what time is it that, like, Kim is just getting off work and Tuvok is just, is just like, deep in a sleep? That is the first thing that makes you feel strange, right? The yeah. the across timeness of this cold open. Yeah, because also like the next one is Janeway going into the restaurant and mm-hmm. it's it's all shut down and the lights aren't on and nobody's there. JT always comes out and greets. Let's go. So it's like, wow, did did Kim pull like a a third shift or even a fourth shift? <laughs> I mean, that's Jellico's dream right there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. Working that fourth shift. I got to say, Ben, if I'm the captain of the Voyager and I walk into the mess hall and Neelix isn't there, red alert! Because <laughs> <laughs> where else would he be? Yeah. He's kind of a workaholic. What color are Loyola roots? That should be the color of alert. Boy, that's a hard thing to say, the color of alert. The color of Loyola roots is the color of the alert. 
That's a that's a vocal warm up that we do before yeah. we record an episode of the Greatest Generation. I do mine with a stack of crackers in my mouth. <laughs> Ben, are we done with the holodeck program? That's the uh, resort. We used to be there all the time, and now no one goes. It feels like it's been forever since we've been there. I think that the Maestro's workshop felt like it was replacing that, but it was also only for Janeway. It'd be great if we brought side slit shorts schlong guy into the uh, Leonardo da Vinci program. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Where his jack-off machines are getting practical experiments. If they ever bring Sandrine's back and and he's just in there, that would be good. Uh, Like the Vic Fontaine program Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in DS9, I feel like Voyager took the idea of a regular holodeck hang and ran with it in a way where I think toward the end of the series it's more like a hey this season where this is the kind of environment we hang out in and yeah I mean I get it you get bored with things yeah but I do like the kind of infinite holodeck programs and infinite combinations of a long-term mission like this right I'd like Side- to go back sometime side guy in the renaissance would be really exciting <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think uh, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci would be particularly excited about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> yeah, he's really got that Renaissance dick, huh? <laughs> what would a Renaissance dick even be? Like, mm. it would just have a lot of realistic shadows. It follows you around the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always looking. Uh, so, yeah, we come to realize that these are dreams. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different ones that we see, and many that we don't. We only hear described later, but mm-hmm. um, they're all like dreams on a scale of getting to make out with Seven of Nine in Harry's case to like shuttle explosion in Paris's case to showing up to work in the buff in Tuvok's case. But they all feature this one man with like a, a fang coming out of his chin. That's bone. A really unusual alien as Star Trek aliens go, I think. Yeah. Because he's not uh, symmetrical in a way so many of them are with the loaf. Yeah. I, it must be hard to come, keep coming up with new ideas for yeah. loafy guys. <laughs> this guy appears in kind of a funny way in all of these vignettes, right? Like sometimes he's just there watching Kim and Seven make out. Sometimes he's just in Neelix's mess hall when Janeway is shown a booth full of cobweb-covered crew people. And then in the last one, he, like, pops out from below frame outside the windscreen of the shuttle. And I couldn't help but laugh at that version of it. What's he doing out there? How's he breathing? (laughs) Yeah, very silly. Yeah. At the end of our cold open, uh, this guy showing up in all these spooky dreams. And when we come back, uh, we get Paris waking up. And I was surprised to learn that Paris and Bolana have not merged departments yet. Oh, I hate this. Paris, I'm looking straight at you in the camera. Tom, it's me. (laughs) It's your buddy. I really care a lot about you and your happiness. Yeah. You need to wait as long as possible. (laughs) You've got to hold out. Right now, you've got the entire bed. You could starfish on that thing all night. (laughs) That goes away the moment you start sleeping with a Klingon. A starfish is without honor in Klingon <laughs> culture. Uh, I was just thinking about it from her perspective, though. Like, he's got windows in his room. She doesn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a step up for her. She, for real. She moves in with him. Ensign Wildman is going to be jealous of her now. Well, everyone moves up if BLT moves out, right? Oh, shit. There's probably a lot of pressure from below. I wonder if Ensign Wildman then moves into BLT's old quarters and is like, Fuck! <laughs> she fucking moved out and I have to move into her shitty apartment? There's not even a window in here! Where's my kid gonna sleep? <laughs> Fuck! I love the pocket protector look that BLT's rocking right now. This is great. This is the introduction of the engineering jacket, which I may be wrong about this, but I think was introduced to conceal the fact that uh, Roxanne Dawson was pregnant during this season. Correct. And yeah, uh, yeah, the jacket is there to kind of cover up her belly a little bit. It's working a lot better than the Beverly Crusher cape during Gates McFadden's pregnant season, right? Yeah. Because the dark uniform, I think, really helps. And it kind of makes sense that an engineer would have, like, a more technically oriented garment. The tools really draw your eye, too. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, this is great. Uh, Paris is in trouble, though. But not the sort of trouble I was expecting. He blew off breakfast. But BLT is really forgiving about this. Yeah, she understands. You think his balls are in the machine? They're not getting yeah. kicked. They're just in the machine. She's got a row of quarters up there on the top of the machine, but she's not putting them in. What happens to you? I float away. Yeah. So they make plans for Friday night, and this is the what's for dinner question that most couples go through. Is it cold weather or hot weather? Mm-hmm. It's like a, a Friday night vacation as date, and... Mm-hmm. This is uh, something that I was very, very familiar with. Like, my wife is a very activity-oriented vacationer, and I'm a very, like, lie-on-a-beach-sipping-on-jippers-oriented vacationer. Same. And it's a source of disagreement, you know? Yeah. I don't want to do stuff. I just want to I want to lie around. I want to have a jazz gummy, turn on a bad Harrison Ford movie from the 90s and pay 30% attention to it. Yeah, I want my hobby to be how much gummy and how much cocktail I can combine (laughs) in myself and still function. And also just crush all the books I've been trying to finish. All the books. So many books, Adam. Every book. He wants that, like, Tahiti, Fiji, beachy lifestyle. Oh, no. No, No, it's her that wants that. And he wants to go, like, skiing or whatever. Do you think if you're Klingon, you want to vacation in a place that reminds you of Stovacor? Like, <laughs> like heat. I mean, a hot place. Is Stovacor hot or is it just shitty? But they want to go to Stovacor, yeah, right? Yeah, Stovacor is Klingon heaven. Yeah. So what's, where's Feklar? Does Feklar fuck around with Stovacor at all? I don't know. I think to a lot of Klingons, they feel like Feklar isn't a real thing. Mm. You know, it's just about power. Right. And systems. <laughs> yeah. It's like scaring people into behaving well, and it's like, it sh- should they need that? Yeah, that's what the honor's for. Yeah. You know what? You either you either want to be honorable or you don't. And if you're treating me with honor just for some reward down the road, save it. I don't save, want it. Yeah, keep your fucking honor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paris is like, uh, having gotten free of the ball-kicking machine, he wanders into the mess hall and he is straight up bedraggled in there yeah and neelix loads him up with some coffee and no breakfast 
no breakfast at all. Paris yeah. is keeping it tight. He's like, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing an I an intermittent fasting thing, Neelix. So I don't want any like calorie dense foods in my mouth right now. And uh, Neelix is like, all right, man. Well, here's that cuppa, and <laughs> Paris takes a big swig, and it's full of cooking oil. <laughs> I watched this take over and over again, and I think <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Why does Neelix keep cooking oil in a pitcher is a question I had. It seems very unsafe. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's more unsafe than it is disgusting, I think. Because if that oil is much hotter than what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a real yeah. scorcher. It's like sautéing the inside of Paris's mouth. Paris won't be going to Tahiti or on the ski trip. <laughs> Yeah. But the way he spits it back into his cup, I thought was big fun. Yeah, it was great. Does he get a new cup or does Neelix like dump the cup in the sink and then fill it back up with coffee? <laughs> this is like a weird take on bulletproof coffee that is somehow more disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Everybody uh, on the bridge is uh, is pretty groggy. Nobody had a great night's sleep and uh, pretty pretty soon the topic of their dreams comes up there. Uh, Paris has discussed bad dreams with Neelix already, uh, but now uh, the captain and Chakotay and Tuvok and Paris are all talking about it, and it is very quickly that they all reveal to each other that this one man, Tin Man, was in the dream. They have got to feel so fortunate that this alien in everyone's dream looks the way that they do. Because if this is your typical nose ridge Star Trek alien, I think this flies by conversationally without being yeah. picked up at all. So he had some kind of like loaf and just general amounts on his face. Yeah, my my dream too. Huh. Man, that happens. Yep. We're on Star Trek. Uh, Harry has not shown up for work. And if I was having Harry's dream, I probably wouldn't get up either. If I were having Harry's dream, I would be terrified of someone being able to enter my room while I was dreaming that dream. Because let me tell you something, that sequined blanket is going to be standing up like a tent. What time is it in Harry Kim's quarters? I don't know. Shine a light on that sundial. Well, it looks like we've reached base camp. <laughs> The captain and Tuvok do go down there and uh, and force his door open, and he yeah. is asleep and not getting up. And uh, this is a, like, turn-to-each-other-to-commercial kind of moment. Yeah, they got to get him to Six Bay, and that is where the doctor has quite a few crew people on bio bed saying that they're in hyper-REM sleep. Yeah. That's when you put the REM record on the turntable at the wrong speed, right? That's a little too fast. <laughs> That's how it reveals that it's really a record with a message from Feklar, right? Right. <laughs> Did you feel tired watching this episode at any point? You were texting me about feeling tired during the day today, and I was wondering if that was partly inspired by this yeah. episode, or if you just got shitty sleep for regular reasons. It's like that thing where you see someone yawning and, and it triggers a yawn in you. Yeah. There is yeah. no yawning in this episode also, which is curious. But it is curious. It, it gave me that feeling throughout of uh, really wanting to take a nap. The feeling our show often gives people when they listen to it. <laughs> yeah, that's why so many people listen to it to go to sleep. Uh-huh. 
I mean, it's especially curious that they're not yawning because the doctor orders people to try and avoid sleep because it seems yeah. like some people are falling all the way to sleep and can't be woken up. Like he's <laughs> he's tried everything. The doctor is so crazy here. He's like, look, I don't have a solution to this problem. I don't really even know what the problem is. But here's what I recommend for everyone. Trucker speed. (laughs) (laughs) And he gestures toward a wall of just like single pill in package. (laughs) Crazy label and named. Yeah. Like $10 per pill. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow there's like a... Lexan Walden checkout booth in the corner yeah. of Six Bay now. Yeah, there's like a great emphasis on on the sexual potency of this also. Yeah, weird. So it, it keeps me awake and it increases manliness size. Huh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone does their trucker speed and makes for the McLaughlin group. Issue one. Later where the group kind of does a collaborative police sketch on yeah. this alien. And this works so much better than you think it would. Yeah, really reminded me of the character design part of uh, Skyrim or similar. Yeah. Where they're kind of stretching his head out, making his eyes further apart. They keep talking about the ridges, and I was like, is nobody going to bring up the fang on the chin? (laughs) That seems like the most notable part of this alien, is the bony, toothy-looking thing coming off of their chin. That's bone. That bony flavor saver is disturbing to look at in profile but but in, on this picture he isn't in profile yeah so they yeah they don't need the bone the bony no. toothy thing to uh yeah. identify him but but they when they get the picture dialed in they're like all right so we're under attack in some way we don't really know quite how and Chakotay comes up with a kind of interesting idea which is uh we got to do a lucid dream somebody that knows they're dreaming Needs to go to sleep, make contact with this guy, figure out what the fuck he wants, and uh, figure this thing out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the second episode in a row where Chakotay has made with the Atari DMT unit? And it's <laughs> like, I, what I think we need to do is uh, is hit this device a little bit more. Yeah. See what happens. Hey, Chakotay, uh, dependency can turn into addiction. I'd just be careful with that thing, Okay. Hey, the last time we had a bunch of crew people use the Atari DMT, one of them tried to transport themselves into a nebula. Medicine is thick. Medicine is heavy. Chakotay is uh, is down to play with some dangerous shit. (laughs) Sounds great. The dangers aren't ignored by the captain. She's like, well, if you're going to do this, I'd rather you do it in a controlled environment with the doctor who just prescribed trucker speed to everyone. And we get some of the rules, right? Like there's, there's like Inception, there's some rules to this. There's tap your hand three times to get out of the dream. There is the image of Earth's moon to remind you that you are in the dream. So if you see Earth's moon, that's your system telling you, hey, buddy, you're dreaming. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're dreaming, baby. <laughs> the EMH hates this plan. And he's running out of blankets for Harry Kim. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Harry Kim had been one of the ones that woke up and not one of the ones that was stuck in sleep and he'd been like, ooh, I'll do the lucid dream. Yeah. Me, me, me. Put me in, coach. (laughs) If I'm Harry Kim, I want to request a bio bed with the arch over the groin area. (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd probably get one too, just to be safe. You know how in your living will, you make a bunch of uh, decisions about what to do if you're incapacitated? Yeah. 
arch over the groin is something I want to write into my living will. <laughs> Whatever choices my wife makes about whether or not to pull the plug, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. give me the arch, please. The well, modesty it's, arch. It's recorded and released publicly here, so this is like okay, publishing good. it in a newspaper. Your, your, your request is official hereby. Great, thank you. Perfect black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. So Chakotay is chasing this deer around with a deer spear. Mm -hmm. And from corridor to corridor they go. And he finally chases it into the mess hall. Probably more convenient to kill the deer in there so it can be dressed and cooked, right? Right. And get it on the cooktop before it even has time to go bad. That's what I'm saying. This is where he sees the moon, so mm-hmm. he remembers. And, the moon uh, feels good. When it hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's something you wish Neelix was able to cook. <laughs> this deer doesn't stay deer for long because it, it quickly morphs into the alien from before and they start Star Trek fighting. I mean, I kind of thought that this alien was going to be tough as hell initially because it gets the spear out of the equation very quickly. <laughs> For a moment, I thought it would be me. (laughs) Nope. It just goes from deer to alien. No gold in between. It's a shame, really. I am very far away in a bucket at this moment in time. But Chicote gets this guy's arm behind his back, pinning him against a wall, and uh, he starts interrogating him. I'm in control. You're mistaken. Am I? Uh, but this guy's like, he's like, hey man, leave me alone. I'm fighting back for the dream world. You guys come in. This is our our domain. You 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 colonized us, man. The backstory here flies at such a pace. I was really impressed by it. Yeah, you learn just about everything you need to know about this alien and the relationship between them and the Voyager crew in like four sentences. Yeah. Thought it was really well done. Dense. Turns out distance is going to be the key to solving their problem, because Chakotay gets right to the heart of the matter. He's like, look, we've got Ensign Kim with a giant erection yeah. over in Six Bay, and we really need to wake him up, because... It's getting past four hours, and that's <laughs> starting to be a concern. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know what that's about. You just need to steer the ship into this specific system, and that'll make you far enough away from us to where this effect we're having is going to go away. Because it seems like really reasonable, right? Like Chakotay is like, we don't want smoke with you. Like we don't, we yeah. have no interest in invading your dream world. We are just passing through. But the spider never tells the bug like, oh yeah, dude, just get yourself out on that branch and you'll be free from my web. Metaphor. Like there's something weird about how, how simplistic the solution of this problem is and how neutral this alien is about the entire idea of what they do. But it seems like there's a deal. So Chakotay taps the back of his hand and he wakes up and tells the captain, like, okay, so, like, we got a plan. We just have to uh, point the ship in a particular direction. I'll fill you in. Mm -hmm. And they head up to the bridge to make this happen. Because it's not that far. Like, it'll take them a day to get out of range of these bad aliens. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Problem solved. We're out. And that's the end of the episode, Adam. Feels so weird, right? Everyone's pre-celebrating, Ben, and you know pre-celebration can get someone pregnant Mm. fairly easily. Yeah. You can also get pregnant celebrating in a hot tub, and a lot of people don't realize that. (laughs) Way too early to count these chickens, because they arrive at the system, 
and the uh, the crew starts waking up in the six bay. Kim is extremely hungry from his dreams. Yeah, he burned a lot of calories while he was down. Yeah. He was down for 17 hours, which just sounds incredible. God, couldn't you go for that? That's Just sign me up. Where do I need to sign? <laughs> Where's the indica gummy for that? <laughs> I never do this. I'm going to be in Vegas, and I'm going to be running on three hours of sleep every night, when what I should be doing is on night one, 17 hours of sleep. What, yeah. a, what better time could I have than to do it there? You got an opportunity and you're gonna squander it those curtains stay dark yeah. forever they really do yeah so they're uh they're flying toward this border getting really close there seems to be like a post-mission period of boy wasn't that crazy happening in the mess hall right the first thing that i'm gonna do when i get back is to get some decent food because neelix and and blt are talking about the nightmare neelix had and then Kim wanders in, and he orders everything on the menu because he's had an erection to feed. One of each. (laughs) Yeah. And Tuvok is there not really wanting to give up anything at all about what his nightmare was for. Yeah, they're like very curious about what a Vulcan nightmare is Mm -hmm. like. And he's like, a Vulcan nightmare is spending 75 years on Voyager with only Ensign Vorik as another instance of my species aboard. (laughs) That is a great call. Yeah. <laughs> they get interrupted by a banger and a big one. And uh, when we get up to the bridge, I mean, it felt very much like the thing in a dream where you're being attacked and you try and fight back or defend yourself and you can't move your arms. Mm-hmm. It's like the ship can't shoot. The torpedo bay isn't working. The phaser banks aren't working. The shields are offline. Nothing's fucking working here. When did Star Trek decide that approaching ship was always going to be 2 o'clock to 8 (laughs) o'clock? That's always how they roll up. Yeah. Well, I think it might be partly to do with the fact that they do maintain eyeline with Mm -hmm. somebody that's on FaceTime on the screen. So it's like if the camera is, is, you know, to the right-hand side of the bridge, it, it looks like that because... Like it's the, for the, the sequence. Yeah, the screen is three-dimensional. Right. You don't. You never think about it that way, but it is. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. 3D view screen. Guess who's on the screen? Guy with a big uh, tooth coming out of his chin? That's bone. Yeah, chin tooth is there. I mean, that's not the most remarkable thing about him. <laughs> he's one, because the Voyager is crippled right now. It Did has you say no he's one? Wep- <laughs> Looking a little bit pallid? Yeah, mm. that's what I mean. Wow. That's sad. Voyager can't do anything against this guy. Hey, if that guy uh, played basketball against Commander Data, would that be (laughs) one-on-one? Yes. Yes, it would. All right, just checking. Should we continue? Yeah, let's go. Let's keep doing the episode. I just, I wanted to check. I wanted to check up on that. I think it's important to get that straightened out before we go on. So, uh, yeah, he's basically saying, like, everything's dampened, and uh, this was all just a ruse to get you here. And you're sort of going, like, is this a dream, or is it Mm -hmm. not a dream at this point? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it seems like not a dream, because the planetary system that they've headed toward seems to have been exactly where this guy wanted them to go, and therefore led them right into the trap. And suddenly there's, like, 
a dozen of these dudes on board the bridge, and they all have the tooth, Adam. That's bone. The tooth is the main thing about them. Yeah. It is shocking how quickly they get the jump on the Voyager crew here, and it's so fast that Janeway can't even set auto-destruct. It's like Vidian fast. They're, they yeah. run this ship and they move everybody down to Seven's cargo bay. This is another scene that lays bare how much they need the dead man switch for the auto-destruct, right? They really do. It, it, Janeway shouldn't have to whisper into the computer. <laughs> yeah, because it's already, it's just going to run in the background. This, as long as I don't say a key phrase. <laughs> The computer won't self-destruct. And that key phrase is, I'm going to run my finger along the foam on this microphone. (laughs) Oh, fuck, I just said it. That sucks. The dead man switch won't go off for another four minutes. (laughs) (laughs) The key phrase is, vegetable broth. (laughs) As long as I drink two cups of vegetable broth every four hours the ship won't explode (laughs) (laughs) so they need to see if they can take the ship back and seven of nine's idea has all started distraction while a couple of other people go see if they can get a jeffrey's tube open and chakotia and blt see if they can mess with main power and uh so seven of nine jumps harry kim into a fist fight and uh, Harry is not quick on the uptake with this. Well, he was expecting a different kind of pummeling, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he had a little bit of recency bias going with what his relationship with Seven was going to be. But uh, while this distraction is happening, BLT and Chicote go over to mess with the power. And when they pull the, uh, the cover off of a panel in the wall, Chicote sees Earth's moon in the panel. Yeah, that's not where that goes. So it's like, fuck, we're still sleeping. And uh, I loved this because two, two of the guards come and, like, grab his two arms and, like, try and keep him from tapping the back of his hand. Like, how would they know that that's his thing? <laughs> I thought it was just that they were grabbing him and his arms were the thing that they grabbed. Do you think that was intentional? I don't know. It seemed like they were trying to stop him from waking himself up. Yeah. But he does. He manages to touch hands. Yeah. And, and it seems he... like it really works this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there he finds the doc, and the doc is like, uh, bad news. I'm the only one still awake. <laughs> Everyone's asleep, and it's been 39 hours that you've yeah. been out. A long time. 39 hours of sleep. Imagine, Adam. is like, hold that thought. I am terrifically hungry. I'm going to go down to the mess hall. You would not believe how badly I need to piss. <laughs> That should be it. Like, the take should be smell. He comes to, and he's like, oh, <laughs> oh. Are you going to have to replace this bio bed? <laughs> it is soaked. <laughs> I like that uh, Robert Beltran just has his character kind of idly tapping the back of his hand for the rest of this episode, like checking every so often to yeah. to make sure. The doc is like, look, everyone's asleep, but what's more is I've scanned their brains. And wouldn't you know it, all of these brain scans match up. What does it mean? Well, what it means is they're in the same dream. It's the dream that Chakotay just came from. 
Yeah. The, the dreams have merged. They're all in like one shared simulation. And uh, it's because of this neurogenic field. And so the key to figuring out what's causing this is to find where some neurogenic fields are coming from. Right. That's not something they were scanning for before. So they nope. this, this gives them a little bit of a, a lead in the case. I've got to get that platinum, get that low metal you might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that Latin word now. Are you planning a heist? Gold. Back in the dream world, BLT's like, you'll never believe what happened. Me and Chakotay were working on a panel, and then he said something about a moon, and then he disappeared. And they're like, you think it was just it was just a ruse he was going to try and show you his butt? <laughs> and so they quickly come to the same conclusion, that they're in a shared dream yeah. on that end, on the dream's end. And Kim's like, yeah, it's a good idea we're not in my dream. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the detail I'm going to give you. <laughs> Yeah. Tuvok, same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neelix, I like taking the kind of solipsistic argument, like, maybe you're all in my dream. Maybe yeah. that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. None of you have agency, but I do. Seven gives this a fun name, collective unconsciousness. Yeah. Which is kind of an analog to the collective consciousness we're familiar with from the Borgs. Yes. So while they're figuring that out in the dream world, Chakotay and the doctor are going to... Uh, like work toward solving this in the in the non-dream world and um they actually hone in on a a signal about a light year away that's a neurogenic field projector of some kind yeah and so they head toward it they got a tight little group here they got tuvok they've got blt and they've got janeway and they got to make their way to engineering but tuvok's got to go to webs we got to have webs he's the key they need to be armed for this it's unclear, like, why this phaser would work when the others didn't in this dream world. Like, Exactly. I don't really know why they wanted to do that, but uh, but he gets it, and then, like... They the should captain... be using deer spears. Yeah. The captain and BLT are working on uh, getting the warp core back up and running, and it seemed, it does seem like they sort of, like, go in and out of believing that they're in a dream world. At this point, like, it's a working theory, but they haven't really seen any evidence to corroborate it, aside from Chakotay tapping himself on the hand three times and disappearing. I like that they're kind of going back and forth between whether or not they fully believe this or not. I really think that helps. As a viewer, Yeah. if they immediately flip the switch in their minds and they're like, this is just a dream and we can do anything and we're impervious to being killed... <laughs> right away for the last 20 minutes of the episode i think it's a lot less fun yeah because it keeps you guessing like when they get yeah. the warp core up and running and then it's like a runaway reaction and yeah. they have to evacuate engineering you're like oh fuck dude yeah <laughs> and then the captain like walks up and like gives the warp core a great big hug when it goes nuclear there's coffee and antimatter explosions and uh she's just fine she doesn't even have fallen samurai hair her hair isn't even must from an exploded warp core right in front of her. She is looking great. But this confirms the suspicion, right? This is what they needed to do to know for sure this was dream. Yeah. There was one shot in this sequence that I, I thought was really amazing, which is Tuvok and BLT running out of engineering. The camera follows them to the, to the back wall as they catch their breath. We get the banger of the explosion, then the camera pans back. And the door opens again, and it was like, that room was full of smoke when they ran yeah. out of it, and somehow they evacuated all of the smoke from the room for when it opens back up again in one continuous shot. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, in a sequence like that also serves the dream logic of the story. Things right. just don't fit together logically. Yeah. So 
this is the proof that Janeway needs. And she's like, yeah, like I, uh, I rolled the dice and I, I won big. <laughs> we are in a dream world. So we know we're, we're not going to be killed by dream weapons. And, uh, that's when, uh, the captain and the doc, uh, go find Chakotay on the bridge. And Chakotay's like, how, how are you up? And, and she's like, well, like I proved to myself that it was a dream and that's how I woke myself up. And this is great news. This is almost the second end to the episode out of three. Yeah. This is when Chakotay looks up at the view screen and uh, the doc is like waking everybody else up on the, on the bridge. But the view screen has Earth's moon on it. They're home, Adam. Series over. I wonder if they ever played with that being what the dream was. Yeah. Because that is an, a really traumatic kind of foundation to it, is if right. not only are they being assaulted by aliens in a dream, but it's also within the construction of that kind of hope. Right. Making them think they got the thing they want most. Yeah. This he is able to wake himself up from again, but uh, when he wakes up, the doc is like, dude, like we are really close to this neurogenic field and it's really running you through the ringer, so you're going to have to fight to stay awake now. You're going to have to drive straight from Wyoming all the way through uh, Salt Lake <laughs> on into Fresno uh, without stopping. So I'm going to give you uh, the big pills. Yeah. You're going to want to crunch them up with like the in-cab fire extinguisher into a powder and then take those things to the dome. This is the kind of trucker no-dos that like a 7-Eleven will get shut down by the federal right. government for selling. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of trucker speed that makes you eat someone in Florida. <laughs> so Jacote beams down to this planet and he's in some Star Trek caves and he finds a big room where all of these tooth chin aliens that's bone are just asleep. They're wearing like civilian clothes and they're just asleep on the floor together with no <laughs> no blanket. No no, nothing. This scene suffers from the effects of its time. Yeah. But as a construction, I thought it was awesome looking yeah. and scary. I mean, the effects aren't bad. They're just like, it, they can do as much as they can do, you know? Chakotay walks in and he's like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, that is nasty. They're all pissing themselves? Who? <laughs> <laughs> He's like slush, slush, slushing his boots through the Star Trek cave. So as as he is making this discovery, Janeway is confronting the one alien that's had speaking lines uh, in the dream world about uh, what's going on. And she proves to him that they know that his weapons can't hurt them. So she barges into the hangar and tells everybody like, hey... Still a dream. We just need to keep that in mind. And the guy's like, well, uh, not so fast, Captain. You've failed to calculate one thing. You're still dreaming. I control the vertical and the horizontal. Right. Your bodies are probably pissing themselves as we speak. And I know from pissing myself. You're slowly being fused to the bio bed where you're sleeping. <laughs> and the sores have started to appear. Yeah. It's too much work for the doctor to sponge bathe everyone. This right. is not going to happen. Yeah, you can't go around checking that many IV bags. Did you think for a moment, why didn't Chicote consider 
like Ripley and aliens just fucking burning everyone <laughs> in that cave. <laughs> I know he's a good man and he's not supposed to do that, but right. that solves the problem. It would solve the problem. I mean, he or can't... maybe he uh, he turns them face down. Yeah. Give them an honorable sleep. Kill them with kindness. Yeah. Yeah. They never glimpse someone like him. That would be a super fun callback. He walks into that cave and he's horrified <laughs> that the nemesis has buried them all face up. Team Leader Brown, 4th Board Defense Contingent. The generator is like shielded, so he can't do anything about it with the equipment that he has there. And that's no good. So he comes up with the dead man switch that the Voyager should have had the entire time, which is... I'm going to try and like wake one of these guys up with my hypo spray. And Doc, you get up to the bridge, and if you don't hear from me in five minutes, nuke them from orbit. I love this idea. The Doc hates it, but I love it. I was wondering if the EMH could even do this. Like, Wouldn't it override his programming to fire a weapon, killing a massive number of people? Yeah, that does seem to be against his oath as a doctor. It also seems like... There should be authentication required to fire a torpedo aboard a starship, right? You can't even shoot at a pot of mashed potatoes without an alarm going off. (laughs) They think the doc's just going to step right up to Webs and shoot a torp. Mm. One of the few remaining torps they've got left. Hard to imagine. Yeah. So Chakotay wakes one of these guys up, and he's like really getting super sleepy at this point. Um, But he explains to this dude that, uh, yeah, like... uh, like, I'm a hostage, you're a hostage, we're all hostages. Yeah. But then he falls asleep. It's so brutal. Oh, this is agonizing. But he falls asleep into the dream, so he's able to tell it to the boss guy, too. Yeah, but weren't you like, oh, man, like he drops the phaser and everything? Oh, <laughs> I hated this moment. Yeah. I mean, it's tough, but, uh, I mean, these guys are fucked one way or the other. and uh, It's fucked in Chakotay's favor, right? The threat of the torpedo is enough to persuade them. And we don't even see any of the, like, stand down. We don't see the people waking up. We don't see the guy with the floor squeegee walking around Voyager. Right, yeah. Moving everything toward the drain. (laughs) Ensign Hazmat. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking 75-year mission, and I've got to do this shit the entire time. (laughs) Fucking assholes. No upward mobility on this ship. (laughs) Team up with that guy, Yor. He had upward mobility. Yeah, wonder whatever happened to him. <laughs> so he just didn't show up for work one day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the symptom that everybody's suffering from now is insomnia, and uh, our button on the episode is a bunch of people goofing around in Neelix's restaurant, burning the midnight oil because they just can't get to sleep. This scene had a quality of what it can be like after a show for us. Yeah, like it is super late. We find some kind of diner to get the last meal in. We're super tired, but happy that we just succeeded in our mission. Yeah. And it's that kind of vibe. Or failed. Sometimes we fail. Sure. I mean, we probably mostly failed. (laughs) Tell you what what isn't going to be a failure. Diner food at one in the morning. Oh, that shit always hits. Yeah. I like seeing what everyone sleeps in. Yeah. Tuvok's sleepwear not super different from what he puts on to uh, celebrate Prixen, I will yeah. say. I mean, that's part of what makes the image of him totally naked so jarring, right? You usually yeah. see the uniform go all the way up his neck. Right, yeah. No matter what he's wearing. This time it's like he's in a Renaissance painting and his dick just follows you. 
all over the room. <laughs> it's hot. That's why I found museum going in Europe uh, it's so titillating. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I love a Twilight Zone episode of Star Trek, and this felt like that, right? This felt like something written for another series that just worked compatibly with Voyager. Uh huh. Yeah. In that way, and it was like creepy in a fun way. I feel like I feel like creepy is more difficult to write than horror. Yeah. And I thought that that sustained creepy feeling nicely pervaded the whole thing. Yeah, it was tense. And I love just the fear of, like, not knowing if you're awake ever. That really taps into some, like, deep-seated primal fear. Yeah. Of, like, what if you're just trapped in in successive dream layers? You've got to be super careful as a showrunner on a show like this not to have too many oops, we're still in the simulation moments throughout yeah. the course of a season. Because you can break your show. Yeah, like, nobody will believe anything is happening for real if you do it too often. Yeah. And uh, I thought this episode really succeeded in, like, not feeling like a holodeck episode that plays with mm-hmm. the same kind of mm-hmm. fear. But, um, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. Have you ever lucidly dreamed? I, for a long time, only lucidly dreamed. And I oh, haven't... That sounds so tiring. I haven't met, remembered my dreams as much lately, but like in my 20s, like I would go to sleep and just reliably like be in my own like world of my own making. Didn't you feel tired when you woke up? I don't want that. I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I want infinite darkness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do anything when I'm dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> I haven't been able to do that. Like, there was a time when I tried. I feel like a lot of people try in college. You hear about it for the first time, and you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to be the one that lucidly dreams. Yeah. That that wasn't me. I mean, the fun thing about it is that, like, while you have your consciousness and you are, like, manipulating events, you're still, like, a fucking idiot when you're (laughs) lucidly dreaming. You're still the same dummy. Like, I would always be like, this is such a cool scenario that I I have dreamt up. I'm going to wake up and write this down and then I'll like write it into a script or something. I'll like yeah. tell I'll, I'll like make it into like a real story and mm-hmm. I would wake up and in my like half awake state, jot down notes about what I had dreamed and then read it like six hours later and be like, this is fucking dumb as fuck. That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, you know what else is often perfect, Adam, is the contents of our P1 inbox. Oh yeah. Perfect from now on. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental. 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 Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Then our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Mm. That message goes like this. On the Spies Like Us podcast, we discuss all kinds of spy movies and TV from the realistic to the ridiculous. Wow. We recently released an episode on the Rogue One Star Wars movie, which was exciting for us because it is so rare that spy stories come up in a science fiction package. We are also covering the Andor TV series on a weekly basis. Do you know what that is? Oh, is that based on the Rogue One characters? Oh, maybe. I don't know. 
Our Garrick episodes from 2020 were popular with Friends of DeSoto, and we hope you will enjoy our analysis of the spycraft of the Star Wars universe as well. So yeah. the bottom line here is catch this and much more at spieslikeus.net or search Spies Like Us podcast on the app you were using right now. I love the name. I love the premise. I'm going to check it out. I love the Spies Like Us movie. Mm-hmm. And I like that they took that and, and made it part of their title. I do, too. I also really liked Rogue One. Go check out the Spies Like Us podcast. I think this is a repeat P1 for them. Yeah? Yeah. Well, it must be working if they came back to the P1 well. I hope people will check it out. Yeah. Adam, our next P1 is of a personal nature. It's from greasy dick sack munchers everywhere. <laughs> and it's to Adam and Ben if he cares. You really gave that the anchor man reading the teleprompter spin. <laughs> like, like that was so professionally read. <laughs> next up, greasy dick sack munchers everywhere. <laughs> Uh, the message goes like this. Northwest native FODs may have listened to your discussion of the not-quite-best fries in L.A. in the episode Not Totally Unwan. <laughs> Wondering some version of this question. Does your tepid reception of those slightly soggy fries imply that you are not a fan of Seattle's famously flaccid dicks delicacies? Your hometown homies need to know. Hey, I just, before answering the question, I just want to say the alliteration in this P1 is great. <laughs> it's a, it's nice solid. And, and I've, uh, I've munched a greasy sack of dicks plenty of times. It's a yeah. place I, I enjoy going to when I'm in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel qualified to respond to this question too, but I think it's mostly pitched at you, Adam. I mean, I'm with you, Ben. Uh, the dicks french fries are great, and I love them. Yeah. I think they're amazing. I'm a big fan. Uh, but here's the thing. The best fries in Seattle uh, belong to Burgermaster. Wow. That is my thinking. Searing and hot take. <laughs> I kind of believe that's the correct answer. Yeah. I, I love Dick, Dick so much, but Burgermaster really slaps. Yeah. And uh, I got a banana milkshake at Burgermaster one time that was Damn. pretty fucking transcendental. I think about <laughs> it once a week. I had a birthday cake shake the last time I was there, which was like their seasonal. Wow. And boy, oh boy. That was one of those uh, late lunches where you don't eat dinner after. You're, just, <laughs> you're full for an entire day. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Ooh. Seattle, very strong, low-cost burger game. Yeah. yeah among, really, among American cities. Really miss those spots. Damn. Yeah. Ben, our final priority one message is from Adam in SF, and it is to Adam and Ben. That message goes like this. A year ago, when I scrolled past the episode title, My Neck, My Back, My Reproductive Sack, en route to the ep I was at, I lost my shit. I swore an oath to pay my debt when I caught up to that ep. So here are your scarves. Ben, I really do think that that's... When the whole thing is done, when our mm. whole Greatest Generation experiment is over, yeah, we should do a what are the best epi- episode titles of yeah, the entire run. Yeah, the Shimoda Awards for the show. Yeah. I really feel like that's on the Mount title more. <laughs> that was really great work. <laughs> the message concludes, now please play all of Adam's homegrown songs. Oh, no. <laughs> Or at least Ben's going to talk about Africa. 
and gets the call very late at night. His wife hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. He's coming in 1230 flight. Status upgrade into a lay flat seat for sleep salvation. He clears customs with a carnet. Hoping to film some fun exotic worlds or eat the rawest meat. He returns and cannot wait to say, Boy oh boy, I've got stories for you. It doesn't take a lot to get me telling you. There's nothing Ben would love more than to tell you. Ben's gonna talk about Africa. It's gonna take some time to tell you things you never asked. And bring back Captain Potter. I don't want to bring back Captain Potter. I just want people to go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and book a P1 now. No, 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 no! Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I did. Uh, I wrote down some time code for this. Ooh. This is about 23 minutes and 20 seconds into the episode or Hold so. On. You see these uh, these two people in the uh, six bay. This is right when Harry Kim is woken up from his 17 hours of sleep, making uh-huh. out with Seven of Nine, and he's kind of sliding past Seven of Nine and the doctor to go get something to eat. And there's two, like, civilians in Six Bay uh-huh. just wearing, like, clothes that look like they were, you know, like, they look like they were just, like, extras that they pulled off of the set of Frasier and were, like, stand in the background of this thing in Star Trek. Like, How often do you see pink? Yeah. There's a lady back there wearing the sort of pink suit that you'd see at a church service. Right. And I was just like, who are these civilians that they have on board? What are they doing? Why are they in Six Bay? I, I want to know their whole deal. So uh, those two people are my drunk Shimoda for this episode, because I was just, I, I kept thinking about them the whole time. I'm looking at Garrett Wong in this scene, and I'm thinking, is that the most comfortable thing you've ever worn in a scene? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it I looks mean, really good. Pajamas on set. Hell yeah. Yeah. Gotta yeah. be. You love picking up your uh, your sides for next week's shoot and finding out you're going to spend a lot of it just napping on a bio bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you? Did you have a drunk Shimoda? I think Chakotay's continued interest in doing psychedelics for now <laughs> two episodes in a row mm-hmm. has... He has my attention now. Wow. <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> trying, to, trying to make your drug-taking hobbies... Uh, an interest of everyone else? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Maybe start coming up with a different solution to your problems. Maybe so. It's yeah. got me a little worried, so I'm going to give it to Chicote. Maybe it's not solving things the way you think it is. Yeah. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Well, Adam, why don't you head over to gach.biz slash game while I tell you about season four, episode 14, 
Message in a bottle. When Voyager discovers an ancient communications relay that extends to the Alpha Quadrant, they send the Doctor to an experimental Federation ship, the Prometheus. What? Yeah. Sounds like an unusual episode. It is a famous and weird episode. Is it famous? Got Andy Dick in it, Adam. Oh, wow. (laughs) Is this the episode that's finally going to end our show? (laughs) We're mad at you for having even acknowledged the existence of that episode. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is going to be more trouble for us than the upcoming Jeffrey Epstein episode. (laughs) What was Tuvok even doing on his shuttle? (laughs) Ben... Our shuttle is currently on square 25 of the game of buttholes. Will of the caretaker. Couple squares ahead. We've got the naked now app, which I really, really, really don't want to hit. Oh, yeah. A a three would get us there. Nothing else can hurt us. (laughs) I'm just going to close my eyes and roll these die. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I want to have more luck in Vegas than here like but if i had to trade luck mm. i would take more luck on this roll wow. wow that's how much i don't want to get back into that fucking tub <laughs> oh god i rolled a six Chula! did i win Hardly. <laughs> oh boy that that was uh that felt exactly like uh getting a, a little too loose with the chips yeah. And uh, and placing a big bet and kind of getting away with one there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it felt more like surviving than winning, rolling that six. It puts us on square 31. It's a regular old episode, Ben. And hey. I think we're going to want to talk about the Andy Dick character soberly and carefully, I, right? I think so, yeah. We definitely don't want to misspeak when, when it comes to the topic of Andy Dick. Right. We want people to know exactly how we feel about that guy. Mm-hmm. Very positive and uncomplicated. <laughs> uh, you know what uh, gives me a positive feeling every week is the, is the fact that we get to do this show yeah. as our job. And yeah. the only way that's a job is through the support that we get at MaximumFun.org slash join. Give yourself a great feeling by supporting the thing that you like listening to by, uh, by chipping in every month. It really makes a difference. It feels like getting a little loose with the chips in Vegas and uh, taking a real risky bet and having it pay off. Yeah, I sure appreciate it, too. Um, you know, I'm getting ready to take some paternity leave, but uh, that should be basically imperceptible to the Friends of DeSoto because we've been able to work really hard at recording tons and tons of stuff ahead of time and getting a big runway built for our show so that uh, we can still deliver weekly episodes to everyone And that is only made possible by listener support and by our producer, Wendy Pretty, who figured out exactly how much we need to record and when we need to record it. And She figured out the right time for you and your wife to have a baby and then made that schedule work. She told us when, (laughs) I mean, she did kind of fuck up with the timing of Star Trek Las Vegas, but she was yeah. new on the job right. when she started she that didn't know. process. So, yeah. I mean, she can be forgiven for that. But um, <laughs> anyways, I just wanted to say like how grateful I am to all of the friends of DeSoto uh, supporting through this time because I think that we are able to keep making a show that will be consistent and fun and funny 
uh, despite the fact that I'm going to be taking some pretty serious downtime coming up, and it really wouldn't be possible without you. And uh, Adam really appreciates getting the downtime, too. He gets he gets paternity leave by proxy. <laughs> it is great for me. I'm very much looking forward to it. I mean, yeah. without the support, Ben, you'd be unable to bond with your new child. And that True. would be tragic. Yeah. You don't want that. These people don't want me to not be able to bond with my child. You don't want your kid resentful of all that time you spent away from from the family recording your dumb Star Trek podcast? No. That's no. how kids end up hating their parents. Yeah. That, that, I hate that, you, Dad. That kid would grow up to become a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Where were you when I needed you? You were in your fucking office talking to that idiot. No son of mine puts on a Boba Fett helmet. Not in this house. <laughs> and the cats in the cradle in the Super Spoon. <laughs> We also got to thank the card daddy, Bill Tilly, who runs our social media accounts at Greatest Track on Instagram and Twitter. Give those a follow. Lots of fun. We got to thank Adam Ragusia, who made our original theme music, and uh, Dark Materia, who made the Picard song and let us use it all those years ago. Uh, We got to thank Nick Dittmore, who made our artwork and... uh, you know, encourage everybody to go get involved in a community of Friends of DeSoto online. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're also going to be at Star Trek Las Vegas, and I just want to encourage everyone who's out there to be really cool to other people out there. It's it's one of the reliably fun gatherings for Friends of DeSoto and other Star Trek fans out there. I'm going to try to put together an event where we can all hang out. Yeah, keep and an have eye a good on the social together. media account yeah. for, uh, for news on that and uh, definitely go up to Adam and say hi if you see him. Yeah, put on your, your greatest gen shirts. Represent the brand. Yeah. Be on your best behavior, but not too good. With that, we will be back at you next week with Potentially the last episode of The Greatest Generation. I mean, we're going to keep recording them because we won't know how much trouble we're in until it comes out. But uh, I'm glad I'm going to be at Star Trek Las Vegas before this episode comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of run out of town on a rail. (laughs) Up on the the panel, Andy Dick. (laughs) Welcome to the stage at STLV. Awkward. Not the worst person they've had panel at SCLB <laughs> over the years, I'd say. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.